0: Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome to another special release of Investor Stories. On this installment, the experts discuss a startup that they did not invest in, why they passed, and if there was a key learning that now informs their approach. Here is the segment called Why I Passed. On today's special segment, we have Jim Kim of Builders. Jim, can you tell us about a good or a bad pass? A story about a startup that you passed on.
1: I've passed on a lot of of really good opportunities. And, you know, I think everybody looked at, looked at Uber at one point and and said, all right, well, is this a taxi company or is this now a new mobility company? And some people were smart enough to say, all right, this is going to change the paradigm of transportation completely. I miss that. Uh, a lot of people miss that. It's, it's hard. So, you know, especially at the early stage where, where so many things have to be right and you have to say, this is, this is something I, I want to work with. It's hard to, it's hard to get it right. This is a very difficult business. And that's why, you know, even the best firms have hit rates around, around the Mendoza line in baseball. Right? So, <laughs> uh, so it's hard, but, uh, but I, you know, I think just being, being able to be part of these opportunities and see these entrepreneurs and, and have them come in and present, even if you're not able to get there, but you see them be successful. That's that's just really awesome.
0: Are there some common reasons that you, you find yourself passing?
1: So many things have to be right. And on top of all of those things having to be right, you're making a guess on the risks that a company will face. And then you have to look at the mitigating factors. It's really hard to say yes, right? I mean, it, no is a very easy thing to say, right? Somebody comes in the door, you, you say no because of X. There are infinite m- many reasons why something could fail. It's, it's the great investors who are able to figure out ways to, to look at the key risks, identify the, the mitigants for those risks, help the entrepreneur in putting those risks to bed and helping them scale. And, and that's just really hard to do. So... Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. But at least you're hopeful that as a VC, you're able to identify the risks going into an investment and then the, the choice of whether or not you want to take on a company or work with an entrepreneur who, who has to knock those risks out of the way to win. Mm-hmm. That's the, the art. That's the tough part. Mm-hmm.
0: On today's special segment, we have Courtney Ream of M13. Courtney, can you tell us a story about a good or a bad pass? A story about a startup that you passed on.
2: Story about a startup that I passed on. Well, the one that comes to mind is right when we moved to Los Angeles. One of my first friends was a guy named Blake Mikoski who went on to start Tom Shoes, and I was around him. Well, sorry, I take that back. When I moved to LA, he was just starting Tom's Shoes. So we were a little bit behind him and we were friends and he's, he's just a phenomenal guy and phenomenal force. And I remember he didn't explicitly ask me to invest, but I remember kind of thinking, oh, I'm not sure the proposition, this and that. We actually, once we started Veve, I remember we were giving him Vive for lots of Tom's events he was doing. And I remember at one point I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to keep giving him Vive. Like we're short on inventory, and I'm just not sure this thing's gonna gonna work. But I did because because of my relationship with him. But it was probably one of my first lessons in you know really betting on the person and going okay. I would take what seems like a pretty good idea, but an incredible founder versus or founding team over what seems like a great idea and a and a less than stellar founder, cause he's one of those people that is just, just, he was just always going to figure it out. if you heard the other businesses he started, everything from some rental stuff to an online poker network, to this and that guys full of ideas and something was going to hit, you know, same thing with someone like a Jamie Siminoff, the founder of ring. I did learn my lesson enough to know that when I met Jamie, he'd actually just sold a company called Phonetag.com, which I still use on my phone. So if you call me, it'll dictate the voicemail, kind of like Google voice. He sold it to Google, and Google actually used that to improve Google Voice. But when you meet someone like that, I just said, "Okay, I don't know what his next thing is, but I want to back it because I'm, I think he's going to figure it out." So it's, it's most of my misses have either been putting too much too much stock in the idea or not enough stock in the founder. As Kevin Plank, from the founder of Under Armour, once said to me when I pitched him on an idea, he said, "Courtney." I'm positive you have a billion dollar idea in you. I'm just not sure it's this one. And uh, you know, <laughs> if you believe that about people, it's good to make sure you kind of keep an eye on those people that you think are special are going to create things.
0: Yep. Yep. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta. And there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers, constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. In this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. On today's special segment, we have Aiden Senko of Felice's Ventures. Aiden, can you tell us a story about a good or a bad pass? A story about a startup that you passed on? I know you've got some good ones.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I think the most humbling thing about our portfolio is despite the fact that we were lucky enough to have a string of exits, I think our enterprise portfolio might be, you know, a multiple bigger <laughs> than our successes, which is always humbling. But look, I was fortunate enough to see Uber and Airbnb very early on, but passed on both. Two things that I learned from that, from the Uber experience, what I learned is I wasn't the perfect user for Uber and I kind of underestimated the product and I just did not use it. Even the MVP, even the first early prototype, the Alpha, I think there was a lot of signal in that, that once you experience that product, you could see that the way it's been re-envisioned, it's been reinvented, that it would be revolutionary for transportation. So I think one of the things that came that was great about that is we now have a rule that we would never... Ever pass a company unless we truly tried the product, assuming, of course, it's available. So it's been a very eye opening thing. But one of the things that positive things that came out of this is that after we kind of made the unwise decision to pass, we still figured that there might be a second way to play the game. And that's when we found Adian because we thought that all these companies like Uber and Airbnb if their stellar growth was to continue, they were supposed to do the same in international countries. And knowing even Google and Facebook getting into problems with some of those, we thought that maybe a good way to play that game a second time is to back a formative payments company. And not surprisingly, the company we back, Adyen, has been successful in you know getting some of the biggest names in tech as their customers. So the thesis worked and you know, we turned the lemon into lemonade to speak proverbially.
0: Wow, that's fortunate. You know, I'm curious, how often is it that you guys might have a thesis or a theme or there might be a market that you know needs disruption in a certain way and you you go out and look at the landscape and you you find the companies that are, are working in that space and then find one to partner with versus more inbound related deals where, you know, deal hits your inbox, you you look at the market size, you like it. You meet with the team, the team's compelling, and you invest. You know, what's what's the, the split on the two of those?
3: I mean, look, I think, especially if you look at the companies that are successful versus overall investments, I think the former approach, the first approach you described has really kind of been a key ingredient of our success. We call this outbound, meaning that, hey, even if a company has not found us and Adyen is a good example as is Shopify. Like we were looking for a formative payments company, a formative commerce company. Neither of those companies come to us through Deal Flow. We discovered them through our research and basically were relentless in getting into these companies until somehow the founder accepted a meeting with us. And after that meeting, the founder somehow accepted or gave us the green light to become an investor. If you look at some of our biggest hits, Shopify, Adyen, Sites, Garden Health, Rovio, some of our biggest IPOs, all of these investments were outbound. One of the things that I learned as an investor is that On the one hand, deal flow is important, but deal flow is imperfect in the sense that especially if you're a thematic investor. I don't want to wait like in an office for the right companies to filter through the door and say, oh, like when a great company comes in, I will know it. And yes, that might happen one day by chance. But we are very much driven to take every aspect of chance out of our business. So for that mentality, I think pursuing companies outbound is a much better approach. And I'm not saying that we don't get great companies referred, but it is so happenstance. And you know, somewhat random, and you know the, the probabilities are so stacked against you. I think you can always deploy like some good mechanism to increase serendipity on that front. But we found that in order to be able to have or aspire to the hit ratio that we we want to achieve, without an, a discipline or without kind of an approach to find companies outbound, it becomes extremely difficult.
0: That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, overprepare, choose carefully and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me.